0: This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now, from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's
1: Sean Kelly. Hi again, everybody. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. And greetings today from Studio B at the Oshner Sports Performance Center. I'm Sean Kelly. Uh, Victory Monday. For everybody but the Saints. (laughs) Yesterday, head coach Sean Payton said it won't be the usual victory Monday schedule, but for all of us, why not? As the Saints won a thriller yesterday, as you know, in overtime over the Washington Redskins, 34-31. What a ball game that's straight now for the Saints. And they are the first team in the Super Bowl era now to have an eight-game winning streak following an 0-2 start. The eight-game winning streak also matches the same win streak that saw the Saints end the 2011 season. Uh, just, I mean, an absolutely fantastic finished the Sunday affair there at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, 18 unanswered points, turned the game around, just found a way. Drew Brees was, was perfect down the stretch. Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara, outstanding. Big blocks from key guys like Josh Hill. Big catches from Colby Fleener yesterday. Had his best day of the season. And the Saints defense, uh, really, really Uh, bowed their back and did the job there late in regulation and, of course, in overtime too. All in all, a pretty uh, fantastic uh, eighth win of the year, no doubt. And John DeShazer will be stopping by, as he is accustomed to do on Monday, to help us break that game down, talk about the uh, Saints' situation moving forward, and that includes injuries and uh, maybe the, the NFC picture as we sit here six weeks to go. In the regular season, amazing. Meanwhile, on the hardwood, the Pelicans will try and forget about Friday night's disaster at Denver. We got good news yesterday in Anthony Davis, and that he is probable to play tonight after clearing his way through the concussion protocol. I'm sure AD's probably still sore, especially around that orbital bone around his. I think it's his right eye, um, so it's probably tender. But it looks like he's going to go. That's great news because. Uh, this is a week full of uh, tough opponents starting tonight with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder come in here a game under 500, uh, but they're, they've got plenty. <laughs> they're going to be more than enough challenge tonight for the Pelicans, who will look to get back to a winning record after standing now at 8-8. Eight and eight. Brett Dawson from the Oklahoman will join us to give us his thoughts on the Thunder as we see them for the first time this year. And also, he'll uh, help us uh, take a snapshot of the Western Conference here, some 15 to 16 games in, you know, depending on which team you look at. Obviously, the Pels have played 16, Thunder is sitting at 15. You know, everybody's around that mark right now here in the regular season. Still a long way to go, but I think probably what we'll see in the NBA and specifically in the West is is the next 10 for everybody will tell us a lot. For the Pelicans, the next 10 is really daunting. I I, I don't want to put a number on it. I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that there's a record I'd like to see. I just want to see better than what we saw Friday, and they can start to maybe do that here uh, on Monday night. So full show for you. Two great guests. We'll uh, yield to them. Let's take our first break and get uh, as soon as possible to John DeShazer from NewOrleansaints.com, and then we'll flip the page and talk some basketball. Stay with us.
0: Uber takes you couch to court side at the tap of a button heading to a Pelicans game. Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code Pelicans 18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big is DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11", defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big is Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. Come see the Pels battle Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Monday, November 20th. Visit Pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans. Do it Big. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer.
1: John DeShazer has strolled into Studio B. Well, strollers. He's always the gentleman on the stroll, aren't you, sir? I believe they call it that. Yeah. Something like that. I yes. don't get
2: paid for it, but that's a whole
1: different thing. <laughs> hey, I said, <laughs> I said the first segment I'm still shaking my head about yesterday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Have you been able to get your arms around what happened yesterday? No. Um, I... You know, every now and then, what maybe once every,
2: I guess three, four, five years, maybe see one of these type games, one way or the other. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if this reminds me somewhat of maybe the Denver game at the Superdome last year, where Denver blocks the the PAT and they return it for the two point conversion and they kind of you know steal the game that way, where it really looked like the same. We're going to win it. I, and, and this one was even more bizarre than that because basically, I guess in the last, I guess I would say in the last five minutes, the Saints had to do everything right. And not that Washington did anything wrong, but the Saints did everything wrong. Washington didn't turn it over, uh, but the Saints did everything right. Um, they scored. They were long drives, but they were quick drives. The Saints finally got to Kirk Cousins and sacked him a couple of times. Uh, Drew Brees went berserk in the fourth quarter and not really the not necessarily the entire fourth quarter maybe the the back half of the fourth quarter where he just went berserk uh, on offense and it was a perfect storm that the Saints had to have I mean they're down 31-16 I can't imagine anybody 31-16 in the fourth quarter with like five minutes left by the way (laughs) I can't imagine anybody thinking that the Saints had a real legitimate chance of winning the game and they just kept playing, and and like I said, I, I guess the perfect storm happened.
1: Yeah, I, the perfect storm did happen, and I am able to kind of get my arms around the fact that Drew had to go 11 for 11. So he had to make the great throw. Nobody can drop it, obviously. Um, everybody has to read a block correctly. The tackles who had struggled have to shore up things on the yeah. outside. Yep. The two-point conversion, Josh Hill has to make a great block for that to happen. Will Lutz um, has to be perfect as he was all day. He was four for four. Here, here's here's what I guess I'm struggling with, in in, in a good way. I'm <laughs> not complaining here. Is that can you help me understand how the game can look one way for two thirds of the day, if not more than two thirds, and then completely flip around, almost as if somebody threw a switch? JD, I. If I'm Washington, and I I would imagine
2: today Washington and and yesterday probably said something along these lines. They took their foot off the accelerator. They might have relaxed. They might have exhaled and felt like we've got them in a position to win a game. And that might have happened. Think about it. The Saints just had such a large lead against Detroit that it didn't totally come back to bite them. But Detroit cut, you know, of – 40 plus well 30 I guess a 30 point lead and scored 28 straight points to cut it down to a touchdown before the Saints finally scored the last touchdown and make it 52 to 38 to win that game but it went from it went from 45 to 10 to 45 to 38 uh, in a hurry and I don't know I think the Saints might have uh, relinquished the aggression in that one and uh, maybe the Redskins did the same thing on Sunday because it really looked like uh, the Saints were the team that was extremely hungry and looked like Washington started kind of maybe playing the clock and saying, you know what, if we can just, you know, milk a little bit here and we'll, you know, we'll be done with this. And, and, and another critical play you didn't mention third and one Washington from its own, I think 30 or so or so in the fourth quarter uh, with two 48 or so left two thirty-eight left, I think. Uh, and if Washington converts the game's over because the Saints, are out of timeouts, right. they can't stop it again. The two-minute warning is going to come, but all they got to do is take three knees and it's over. Yeah. And they get a stop, uh, Manti Teo and Vaughn Bell slice through and get a tackle for loss and force a punt at the two-minute warning. Otherwise, game's over. So I don't know if – I think Washington would say that, you know, they they had a lack of aggression there. They didn't really go for the win so much as they said, let's see if we can run the clock out. And And, man, a lot of times that
1: can go bad on you. Okay. The switch thing that I mentioned applies for the defense, too. I mean, I, oh, yeah. let's, let's admit yeah. this. They struggled without A.J. Klein, Kenny Vaccaro, Lattimore yesterday. Well, they, um, had,
2: they had three picks that they that, – look, I, 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 I would struggle to know, and I'd love to hear them explain, how they didn't come up with the three picks. Ken Crawley's got one in the end zone that he didn't come up with. P.J. Williams has one that turns into a 32-yard reception for Josh Dotson instead of a pick. And then Devonte Harris has one that you know initially is called a, a pick on the field, but is overruled because he you know he didn't have control of. It. So they got three balls right there in their hands, and, and they don't come up with it defensively in that secondary. And yeah, it doesn't hurt that Marshawn Latt- it doesn't help that Marshawn Lattimore is not playing.
1: Yeah, it looked like Kirk Cousins had a horseshoe up his butt all day yeah. because yeah. because he's I think he's a very good quarterback. He was having a whale of a game most of the day yesterday. And so when those three interceptions did not come to fruition, I thought, boy, this is Kirk Cousins' day. Yeah. And then lo and behold, he throws that ball out of bounds yeah. and gets called for intentional grounding. Now there seemingly is some discussion on whether or not that was intentional grounding or not. I don't well what what nuance am I getting in not getting well, here that says well, he, it? it's he, not, but he was in the tackle box. Yeah, and, and now he his, it out of his intent,
2: I think a receiver or somebody busted a route over there. Yeah. Somebody didn't go over there that was supposed to, but by the letter of the law, that throw is an intentional grounding. Right. There is nobody close to that. No, nowhere. And, it, <laughs> and there it was,
1: there was that one Kirk cousins play that I was yeah. hoping would happen. And it did.
2: Yeah. Takes them out of field goal range.
1: It takes them out of field goal range. Yeah. And then they're forced to throw again. Yeah. And that allows Vaughn Bell to come in. Yep. Uh, off the edge. They were out the house. So crazy stuff. I mean, really it is. Um, this, this win, not only is it dramatic and exciting and, and kind of you pulled it out of your you-know-what, John, I, I felt like the Saints had to have yesterday just based on what they're facing in the next couple of weeks here.
2: Well, the good thing about having one seven in a row was even if they hit, hit this next patch and say it's a rough skid, they had banked a little something to where they could withstand it. So you know, it, the, the sky wouldn't have fallen completely, but you know, the more you can store in the bank, obviously, the better. Uh, but, look, I, I was at a point yesterday where I was saying, well, there's nothing wrong with a seven-game winning streak. That's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, it <was> really <laughs> because, nice. <laughs> because, I, you know, it was at a point, and the way the Saints were playing and the way Washington was playing, I just didn't feel like they were going to be able to pull it out. And lo and behold, look, I'd I love to be wrong in these kind of situations. And, you know, to the people who left the Superdome early yesterday, look, I'm not going to wag my finger at you as Daniel just did. I'm not gonna kick you uh, while you're down because you, you look, uh, you know. Now, if I pay, I'm gonna stay to the end. I, I don't, you know. I'm just not. I'm just that way. But I can understand the sentiment of some people saying, you know, well, seven in a row was pretty nice and that was cool and you know, hey, we had a nice ride and we'll come back and go get them Tiger, next week. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but when, if you leave early, that's that's the risk you run.
1: I think we're into a stretch now. After eight straight, 8-2 and two record, we're, we're getting back to what this city was like, dare I say, seven years ago. There won't be any, there'll be a lot of coming early and leaving late, and yeah. and every day of the week is going to be, it's not going to be black and gold Friday, it's going to be black and gold Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, all the way think further.
2: about it, it ratchets up now because even from seven years ago, uh, the exposure is just different now. I mean, so now you've got the Saints all over the place. I mean, now you're talking about all these social media platforms as well as uh, just gaining some national attention. They're still kind of flying under the radar a little bit, and we have the Philadelphia Eagles to thank for that uh, because as long as Philly keeps winning, their winning streak remains longer than the Saints, and the Saints get to kind of operate in the shadows a little bit, not as much as you know, the, last, the previous three or four weeks, but a little bit, they still get to say, you know, people are still saying, hey, Philly's the team to beat. And the Saints get a chance to keep on walking around saying, you know, we're being disrespected. You know, <laughs> we're being slipped uh, on. Yo. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. As long as somebody else's name is being mentioned more prominently, you still get that chance to, you know, have whatever chips you can use, you use them. Yeah. And so that's a chip that they'll get to use in that locker room. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, would say that, I would say that, you know, this is probably going to be a little bit, hotter than, uh, than those seven years ago just because of you know, the amount of exposure now that, and the amount of platforms that this team can be, can be sh- showcased on.
1: That's true. More on Philly in a moment. Two other notes about yesterday real quick, if you don't mind. Um, I hate picking a player of the game because it's such a – there's so many people involved in a football game. But if I had to pick one, it's Mark Ingram. And, and John, we raved about Mark's season last year.
2: He's ahead <laughs> he's of that. He's blowing the doors off of that now. Yeah, he's ahead of that pace. I mean, he. I don't know if. Let me knock wood here three times, um, but Mark responds to adversity as well or better as any saint I've seen in maybe ever. I don't know. I mean, he, you know, last year he he had a back to back games where he fumbled and lost the fumbles, and then he roars back on this year he fumbles twice against chicago in that fourth quarter and he has been a guy on a mission with vengeance since then so yeah if you pick him as your your player of the game you you can't go wrong because i mean he is he is fierce i mean the saints ran three plays in overtime two of them were marking them runs for 51 yards Mm -hmm. and then (laughs) all you got to do is trot out will lutz to kick the field goal and let me let me let me say this heard a couple of people saying, you know, a couple of media members, you would think media folks would be smarter than this, but stop. Yeah, you would. <laughs> but, but saying, you know, why are they kicking it on first down? If I was them, I'd run it three downs, and then I'd kick it on fourth down. Well, you kick it on fourth, first down because you have four downs, and if you have a bad snap, you're able to just fall on and smother it and then maybe kick it on second down. Or if you have a bad snap on first down, you can recover it 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, you got two plays to maybe get 10 yards so you can kick it again on fourth down. That's why you kick it on first down. So
1: I'll just leave that there. Idiots. <laughs> uh, yeah. Will Lutz, by the way, winked at Morsted on his way to go kick the ball. Yeah, well, you he know when cool you call. Yeah,
2: when you're kicking the one that's shorter than the PAT, I guess you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's still the game's on the line. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, and it, it was great to see him because you know, yesterday, you know, Will Lutz came into the game eighteen to twenty two, and I think I looked at I don't know if it was you that I said, I said, man, it feels like he missed a few more kicks than that. And uh if it was you, I can't remember whoever was flying. Well, you know, they missed a couple of PATs too. I was like, okay, well that may maybe that's why. Yes. But yeah, he was he was very, very good yesterday and uh and a little unsung hero, Tommy Lee Lewis had a couple nice punt returns. Um maybe he can give some juice to that unit. Ted Ginn Jr., blessing. Uh, a great punt returner in you know in the past, but has had his struggles this season. Yeah. And Tommy Lee gave him a little punch there.
1: Which is crazy because Ted Ginn Jr. has stayed in this league this long because of his special teams play. Absolutely. And not because he's a receiver, but yet he's having the best receiving season he's ever had, I think. And 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 the special teams thing maybe maybe is
2: passed him by. He's a catching balls that yeah that
1: two three years ago Ted Ginn Jr. would have had, they would have been on the ground. True, true. <laughs> Look, there is this one little thing lurking in the back that, that makes me a little nervous here. Um, by the way, Ian Rapp, reporter of the NFL Network, is reporting this morning that Alex okofor is going to be done for the season with yeah. the torn Achilles. That hurts. Uh, that hurts. A.J. Klein uh, hopefully is back this week. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure he'll be back. Vicaro, I think he says he's going to be back. We'll see. Yeah, he said he was going to be back last and week. Though That's We don't know thing. about Lattimore's ankle at this point. So, yeah. Every team's going to go through this. It is a long season. Um, those are key injuries, though. They really are. Yeah. I hope I hope other than Okafor, we're not looking at long-term on those other very key pieces. Well, I'll tell
2: you what. Okafor might be the biggest of those, especially right now, because Okafor was giving the Saints that twin defensive end opposite Cam Jordan. Uh, he was applying a lot of pressure, playing the run extremely well. And I remember – yeah, I, I feel I almost feel like I jinxed the guy, man. Talked to him in the locker room, not last week, I think, but the week before, and you know, I was just talking about him in a full-time role and playing every down. He said, you know, my issue has been injuries in my career. You know that, you know, just staying on the field. So, you know, my my goal is to just be healthy and stay on the field and, and get the production. And lo and behold, yes, if he if he tears his Achilles, it's a it's a heartbreaking end to a fantastic season by old Alex Okafor because yeah. he was. He was really playing well. He was in a nice groove, and I think he was, you know, a guy that the Saints had grown to count on as he was really giving them consistent pressure, run and pass defense on that on the right side, and, and that's a huge
1: loss to me. Yeah, I, I think in the locker room too. I, I just – we've gotten to know him a little bit here since joining the team. Great guy. I think that he's – he's, he's as much as of an injection into this culture that is really special – as anyone else right now, and so yeah. it stings he, a little bit. This, this, this I mean, you know, this free agent
2: class, you know, with Manti Teo, A.J. Klein, Alex Okafor, uh, Larry Warford. Ted Ginn. Yeah, Ted Ginn Jr., the, those guys headlining the class, I yeah. mean, really has turned out to be fantastic in terms of production and, and, and salary value. yes for lack of better word and and
1: leadership yeah and leadership I really think that was yeah so I I, young football team they've been really good yeah so so I hate to see Alex Okafor
2: lost for the season if that's the case and that's that's a that's a heartbreaker and that means uh, guys like uh Haole Kakaha gonna have to step back in and really step it up because again the Saints were having some great production from that right defensive end I wonder if and I know he's been a defensive tackle, but I I wonder if uh, David Onyemata can sneak out there a little bit, and this might be you know now the Saints might have to reintroduce um, I don't where's Daryl Tapp nowadays? Well, but Trey, Trey <laughs> Hendrickson's also yeah. Well, Trey yeah, Hendrickson, yeah, I, but Trey Hendrickson is kind of an energy guy who's you know, a, a snap count guy. And and Alex Okafor was an every-down-you-can-count-on guy. Grinder, so, yeah. Yeah, so down. hopefully they can, can piecemeal it over there because you don't want it to be a situation where you can't get that production over there. And now, again, uh, all the protection can go to Cam Jordan's side, and he's going to have difficulty. And, you know, the thing about Cam is you can flip-flop him. You can put him on the left end. You can put him on the right, right. end. You can line him up so I'm at defensive tackle, <laughs> and and he can still get it done. But... You know, you'd like to have that consistent guy over on that other side that you know you can count on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're running out of time. Uh, we're going to still talk Pelicans here in a moment with Brett Dawson from the Oklahoman. John, before I let you go, though, uh, you mentioned Philadelphia, uh, who is still out front here in the NFC, and what they did to Dallas last night. Well, well, that was fun, because I just don't care for Dallas. But uh, <laughs> uh, But here's the thing. Six to go. Minnesota handles the Rams yesterday. Yes. Philadelphia is what... We have mentioned that they are. Yeah. And, they're, and there are teams breathing down the neck of the Saints there at three. So, gosh, these next six weeks, just step away from the black and gold situation for a second. Look at the NFC right now, and it is going to be wild over the next six weeks. Look, this is a sprint to the finish. And let's not forget, unfortunately, the Saints don't, don't
2: own the tiebreak against Minnesota, uh, courtesy of that Monday night opening game. So they need to finish ahead of Minnesota yes. to beat them in the seedings. <laughs> and then you're still trying to catch up to Philly, which may or may not take its foot off the accelerator, depending on what happens in the NFC East and the NFC period. Because, you know, if they take the foot off the accelerator, well, you know, you're trying to be the number one seed. That's the goal now besides winning the division. And if you take your foot off the accelerator, you've got Minnesota breathing on your neck. You've got the Saints breathing on your neck. And, oh, by the way, Carolina's breathing down the Saints' neck. And if Atlanta happens to beat Seattle, and they're still kind of in there, you know. And with the Rams some, are in the thick. Yeah, here. and the yeah, Rams are in right. the thick of it. So, I mean, you know, you've got teams that nobody can afford to say, well, you know, we'll, we'll – nobody can afford to look down the line. Everybody's got to be week to week and day to day right now. And yes. it's, it's
1: going to be fun. No, it really is. I think Philly might have the easier schedule. Probably. And, yeah. and, and you know, and, and, you know Philly – On paper. Yeah, on paper. That, but, right. but, man, Philly is
2: – if you can defend the way Philly is defending – we saw that during the Saints, you know, the first seven games of this eight-game winning streak. If you can defend that way, you can beat anybody, and you can beat them anywhere. So, Philly's going to be tough, and, you know, it's not the most pleasant place to play in January. Uh, uh, hmm. But, I hey, know, you, gotta, that you, up. you know, you win and you take your chances, baby. You got to yeah. get, as Bill Parcells would say, you got to get in the, turn, the tournament. The tournament. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, I'll just take one next week in Los Angeles. Exactly. One at a time, as Sean Payton would say. What do you say yesterday? I know we play Los Angeles next week. After that, I don't know. Yeah, and most, you know, and <laughs> okay. you know, and I, you know, of course, yeah, right.
2: Like the schedule is on the wall somewhere, yeah. but <laughs> but you know what? But you know that's the right thing to say publicly, and you hope that the Saints players are saying, you know what? Stop this. You know, it's it's human nature. You're gonna do it. But scoreboard watching and and standings watching does you no good right now. All it does is escalate your anxiety. All you can do is what you can do against the, against the team you play, in, and that's all you can do. That's the only thing you can, can, you can try to control. And then at the end of 16 games, you just see where, you, where it stacks up, and, you, and then you play where you play.
1: Coach John just you with us. There you go, morning. baby.
2: King of cliche.
1: That's right. <laughs> By the way, I love the fact that Robert Meacham was there yesterday. If we can line up some other uh, –
2: I don't know how many more miracle guys we got <laughs> left, man. I mean
1: <laughs> – you know, I think
2: we burned up. We burned Vilma. We burned him. You know, we used him. We got Meech. Got Devry. You know, how many? I, you know, Tracy Porter. We get Tracy back I don't, in. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could bring Tracy. I, has Tracy been here yet? Yeah, uh, Daniel just says Garrett, Garrett Hartley. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Garrett could come around. No, we
1: can bring them all back around. I have no yeah, problem Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, I guess it we can. It just was yeah, it was we can the, the guy. Yeah. versus the Redskins. Yeah, thing. it was the yeah, it was it was, lined up. Yeah, you know? and
2: it I mean, you know, Meech won that other miracle game. Well, sent it to overtime, same thing. And <laughs> right. and here he, he's on hand for another kind of miracle game, so you know, we might have to just recycle those guys.
1: All right. Big week obviously. Uh don't forget that that game's been flexed to the late afternoon slot on yes. Sunday. We'll, we'll, we'll be reminding you all week, as if you don't already know. Those Saints fans out there, they know more than we do anyway. Just ask. Yeah. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Well, you know what? I'm going to see you tonight. <laughs> Pelicans <laughs> and Thunder. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Pelicans and Thunder, we'll take a quick break and we'll turn our attention to hoops. Brett Dawson joins us in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana.
0: Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guy's Night Out six-pack. Packages are available for select home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers, all for as low as $50. So do it big with the next Guy's Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, November 29th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guy's Night Out today. it's pelicans game day this is the black and blue report
1: the oklahoma city thunder in town as we mentioned earlier for the first time this season they'll bring their show to the smoothie king center tonight to take on the new orleans pelicans Brett dawson from the oklahoman formerly of new orleans is kind enough to join us as he's back in town welcome back Uh, do you have any stops brett you got to make here uh, in your return uh, performance
0: you know, it's really uh, more about people, so I got to see some some really good friends last night, and uh, Scott Kushner, who I used to work with as the advocate, and um, Ginsburg, who writes uh, lives in Chicago, but writes a lot about the Pelicans, uh, so I got to hang out with those guys, and I uh, had a really good time there, and, and just uh, no place that I have to be. I, I really, there's one place I would like to have had dinner last night, I would love to go to Koshan, but they're closed on Sunday nights, so out of luck there, but uh, maybe next time.
1: Good plug there. Nice job, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a table waiting for you in time. That's, that's good. <laughs> Uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, Oklahoma City rolls in here under 500, which I'm not just not used to here in the last few years.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a weird year. Um, I think we all knew there would be some adjustments because you've got uh, three guys: Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony, who are accustomed to kind of being really high usage guys, um, uh, guys who have the ball quite a lot, um, guys who shoot a lot, guys who make plays down the stretch for their team. Uh, and so those those three guys are adjusting to playing together. And, and Westbrook has played with a guy of that caliber before, obviously, and Kevin Dent, but not with two. of. Them. And he's he's coming off a year where he really was kind of a one-man show, so he's adjusting to a different style there. Uh, Carmelo is being asked to give up a lot of his game, and that's still an adjustment. Um, and Paul George sometimes is, is the guy who's getting frozen out a little bit uh, and who, as the Thunder has shown in some games, when he gets uh, really involved offensively, uh, is such a, a great piece for them and needs to stay involved in that way, but they've kind of struggled. It's been a little up and down, getting all three guys meshed and, and working together.
1: Brett, give me an example, if you can, uh, of a of a situation or a game that kind of sums up what's not currently clicking for this team.
0: Well, I mean, I think you, you look at um, the San Antonio game, the, is the most recent game they played, and it's a great equal. Uh, they got up by 23 points in the first half. They were playing spectacularly well the ball moved, it didn't stick, Um, they got really good shots, their defense was locked in, and then San Antonio made a run the way a team will, a team's always going to make a run, especially a team as good as San Antonio in its uh, home building. Uh, And what you see happen a lot of the time, as soon as there's a little adversity, these guys who have, you know, they've started off the game really well, they tend to revert to some old habits. And so now maybe Carmelo holds the ball a little bit longer. Um, There was a situation where, you know, the, the, the Spurs waited a really long time to bring a double team, and they had Patty Mills on him. He forced up kind of a bad shot rather than move, wait for the double team and move the ball out. It's, it's little things like that where they get impatient as soon as some adversity kind of comes their way. They've, had, they've lost five games this year where they had double-digit leads. Um, they had a 20-point lead against the Clippers in a game that they won, but that game ended up tied before they went on to win it. So they've they really they can be really great in stretches, and their defense is consistently pretty good with some exceptions – They've had some crunch time problems. But what happens is whenever there's a little bit of adversity, it seems got to kind of revert to some old habits.
1: That's a great way of helping me understand the situation. Uh, Brett Dawson with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey, Brett, you know, as far as supporting cast goes, do they have it when the big three kind of get it going? Do they have enough around them to, to sustain and, 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 I guess, be a formidable contender?
0: Well, it remains to be seen. I think Steven Adams has gotten off to a really good start. He's obviously a very important guy against the Pelicans um, because he'll probably mostly match up with DeMarcus Cousins. The, the Thunder switches a lot, so there's going to be a whole lot of different guys on different guys as a result of those switches. But he's obviously a very important player. He's gotten off to a really, really good start. Uh, they did win every game he, he sat out when he was injured, but the schedule got pretty easy in stretch of time when he was not playing. So uh, he's been really good. Uh, they, they need a little more help from some of their bench guys. Raymond Felton has probably been over. His head, he's played great. Um, But they need a little bit more from Alex Abrinas, who had a big game. His first big NBA game was here in New Orleans last year. Uh, They they could use him to get a little bit more consistently on track. Uh, Jeremy Grant has been good and is getting better. And and they really need more out of Patrick Patterson, who missed training camp after he had a knee procedure in August. Uh, And he's just kind of slowly rounding into form. So it feels like we haven't really seen uh, the, the entirety of their team yet um operating kind of at full strength and and i don't know exactly when we'll get to that point but it definitely hasn't happened yet
1: brett you mentioned the, the the thunder's ability to switch defensively that's a fantastic thing in this day and age in the nba and you mentioned adams who uh has proven to be a great antagonist um expand on that if you don't mind and give us an idea of what you think the thunder will try and do against the pelicans tonight
0: Well, they switch. They'll at least switch one through four, and sometimes they switch one through five, particularly when they go small. They'll play Jeremy Grant uh, or Patrick Patterson at center, and then they'll really switch. They get into some trouble when they're switching. Uh, Occasionally, what happens sometimes, it happened in the Boston game, another game where they had a big lead and and lost the lead and lost the game. um, Where, you know, a late possession where Steven Adams is kind of on an island at the top of the key against Kyrie Irving, that's not going to work. No matter how good you are at switching, you can't have him kind of. Stuck out there and, and, uh, and, and, you know, without any help there to sort of let him steer a guy to another defender. So that's happened a couple of times. They have some breakdowns. It's going to be really interesting because they start with, you know, they'll start, as they did in the preseason, um, with Carmelo Anthony on Anthony Davis. And that's not a great matchup for them, obviously. Uh, because of the way they switch, uh, they will move guys around. I think you'll see some Paul George on Anthony Davis. That's a matchup he's had in the past when he was in Indiana uh, that he, he he's comfortable uh, defending against. So you'll see a whole lot of different looks. Um, just as a result of the switches, Um, you'll see Adams, you know, they'll they'll try to have Adams with Cousins as much as possible. Cousins, they talked about this yesterday. He presents a lot of problems because your big guys have habits of kind of running down the floor and getting into a position and he'll trail and shoot threes. So it's a, it's a real test for them. And it's unlike, I think for almost every team, the Pelicans are unlike anything else you see just because nobody has a combination of big guys quite like that.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing because one night the Pelicans will look great. And then another night, like Friday, they'll just look awful. They're so unpredictable. And that, that kind of in some ways sums up the West right now. You know, here are the Thunder at 7-8. and eight. Minnesota loses yesterday. You know, uh, uh, San Antonio is off to a decent start. But here we are, Brett, 15 to 16 games in, depending on which team you're looking at. And other than Golden State, I'm not so sure I know anything about the Western Conference right now. Why is that?
0: Yeah, it does feel like – I mean, I think one thing is – one of the really interesting things about this offseason to me was that people didn't get out of Golden State's way – I mean, you saw certainly Oklahoma City kind of led the way in this in this sense of, of aggressively pursuing pieces to get better and, and try to make a challenge. Obviously, Houston did that. Many Minnesota did that. So I, I think what you're seeing is a lot of those teams that you expect to be really good in the West have undergone a lot of change, um, and there there is a, a a transition period. And there's not just it's not just the change, but it's also for the first time you've got this shortened training camp um, and shortened preseason. And so I think a lot of teams are still kind of figuring things out, and they may be figuring things out a little deeper into the season than they otherwise might, just because of that. I look at the Thunder as a team that, you know, in addition to making all these changes, you had Alex Abrines out for a lot of camp. You had Patrick Patterson out for all of training camp. Russell Westbrook missed a little bit of training camp time after he had a, uh, a PRP treatment done on one of his knees. So, you know, that, that's a team that really the, the beginning of the season sort of played out like preseason. And then you're in your kind of regular season, your normal ups and downs. And I think that's happening a lot of places. The Pelicans, too, have changed a lot. Their first, you know, training camp with Cousins and Davis together. Uh, You add Rondo and then you lose Rondo. So it just feels like there's been a whole lot of of teams in transition.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Houston, too, by the way. So, Brett, if we were looking at it, you know, probably at the start of the season I would have said, in no particular order here, Golden State, Houston, Oklahoma City, San Antonio. Lock those four teams in. As the top four seeds in the Western Conference, when it's all said and done, um, is there anything that's provided you doubt to those four, or are you in agreement that those four, at the end of the day, will still hold those top four seeds?
0: I still think it's going to be those four ultimately. Um, you know, I, I do think it's going to click for the Thunder eventually, um, and that that's you know that remains to be seen if it actually will. The one team I think maybe maybe gives me a little pause. Minnesota might be a little better than I thought. Uh, and so maybe that's a team that's going to be kind of in that mix for a, a top four seed. But I think ultimately you're going to see, you know, the Spurs are hanging in there without Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker. I certainly think you're going to see them make a move forward. And, and I do think the Thunder will hit a surge at some point and move up uh, 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 you know, considerably. So I still think in some order those are going to be the top four. I think in the beginning of the season I, I had Oklahoma City fourth. Uh, I still think, you know, for them I think what they're trying to do is is, you know, you'd like to be third. But I think it's just try to be the second-best team in the West by the time the playoffs roll around, and, and that's what they've always targeted. And I think they have a chance to do that uh, if everybody can kind of get on the same page.
1: Good stuff. Hey, Brett, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the game tonight. It's always a pleasure. It's
0: great to talk to you and great to be back. I can't wait.
1: Brett Dawson of the Oklahoman. He's on the road with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Pelicans and Thunder tonight at the Smoothie King Center. I think we're in for a treat tonight. It's a start of a very, very tough week, as we mentioned, for the Pelicans Thunder tonight. Spurs here on Wednesday. Uh, two teams, I think, and, and with kids off school for the most part. This, These are these are good ones here. Find a way. Uh, find a way. And then uh, the road trip of the other week, we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. All right, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Black and Blue Report. A fun one, huh? We, <laughs> we got to not only preview a, a pretty cool basketball game tonight, but certainly still trying to get our arms around yesterday's win for the New Orleans Saints. Thanks to John DeShazer for stopping by and helping us do that. Uh, Fun times right now for the black and gold, and uh, we'll turn our attention toward the visit to Los Angeles uh, when we resume this podcast on Wednesday. Hope your holiday week is off to a good start. Thank you again for being a part of our Monday, and uh, we'll look for you on Wednesday. Again, Wednesday, no appointment radio. Sometime around midday will be our Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Should be a good one. It will also be a Wesley Wednesday. That'll do it. I'm Sean Kelly for Daniel Salerson. So long for just a while.